0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Thank you, most of you, for your patience on, uh, on Tuesday. I recorded the podcast episode Monday morning, and I told you I was going to edit it on the plane and then upload it on my layover for Amsterdam. Unfortunately, my plane left late, and then when I got to Amsterdam, I had to scramble to make my next flight. And the Wi-Fi in the airport wasn't strong enough for me to upload the, the audio file for this podcast very quickly. So I wasn't able to do it until I landed in Ghana Tuesday Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on Ghana's time, which is seven hours ahead of L.A., four hours ahead of the East Coast. So more than 24 hours after I taped it. I did my best to get it up at a decent hour on Tuesday, but not so much. So my bad. Most of y'all were cool about it. Some of y'all sent, you know, fucked up reviews and sent me messages. I'm like, yo. You knew when you signed on to be like a, you know, a listener of this podcast that I was a person who bounced all over the world and had a bunch of stuff going on. So sometimes the podcast is just going to be late. I promise you that I always do my best to get it up and out on a Tuesday morning or a Friday morning. Sometimes that just doesn't work with with my schedule. The podcast is not the only thing that I work on. Um, So work with me if you can. I appreciate that. Please don't leave me no more fucked up messages because if I respond to you, then I'm an asshole. Um, But when you write them, you're just a listener. That's not cool. I'm in Ghana now. I've arrived safely. I'm sitting in my apartment, not my official apartment. I haven't moved, moved, but I I have a place for a while. I thought I was going to be here for a couple weeks, maybe a month. And then when I landed, I had a visa on arrival. My friend works at the airport, so he took care of my visa for me. But and this is a good but. Um, I thought I was staying for 30 days. And then he was like, no, I got your visa for 60 because I want you to like enjoy my country. And I was like, (laughs) stop playing with me. So who knows when I'll be back and by be back, I mean to America. I have to like wrap up my American life. I'm not keeping a place in the States. I'm letting go of my loft in L.A. I got to go back and like wrap up my life um, at some point. Now, it feels really good to be here. It feels um Different this time than the other times, I kind of like know my way around. I know the neighborhoods and the distances, I make a left at the gas station, or I just get like the feeling of like you know when the the car is supposed to turn, so it, it feels like not home. it feels familiar, which is a really good feeling because I like it here very much. I've done absolutely nothing since I arrived, like nothing of nothing of, of grand substance. My flight got in it. 30, 9 o'clock when I got out the airport, came to my place, dropped my stuff off, and then me and Devita went to get cocktails. It's like a welcome to Ghana. And then we ended up at like some breakfast spot until three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, this is my life. Um, and then we did it again last night. And tonight she went out and I was like, girl, you're not tired. And she was like, mm. and I was like, well, I need to go record my podcast. So people don't leave me nasty ass messages again. You can tell I'm really annoyed by that. I am. So, yeah, so that's Ghana so far. I don't really have like an agenda. I'm not running around doing a bunch of stuff. I'm just sort of hanging out and enjoying the city the same way I would like if I lived somewhere. Like I don't, you know, have to go out every night and, you know, just be running all over the place. I'm just, you know, here. It's so good here. I was talking to someone the other day and she lived abroad as well. I can't remember where. I think she was on the continent. She said 75% of black people's stressors in America are related to white supremacy. Like it just it impedes on every aspect of your life, whether you're actually thinking about it as white supremacy or not. It's like once you remove white supremacy, everything else in life just gets really just gets way more tolerable. And I think about that when I'm in Ghana because like it's not it's not a utopia. On a previous episode, last time I was here, you know, I talked about like the the ups and downs of being in the city um, and just, like, some cultural things that are different. But even those, like, inconveniences where you're just like, wait, what? It's just everything just seems way more manageable when you're not dealing with, like, white people shit. And yes, there's absolutely, like, remnants of white people shit because, like, Ghana was colonized and didn't get free until, what, like, 57? So there's definitely, like, remnants of colonialism. It's a different beast than, like, the foot-on-your-neck racism that we deal with in America. Like, it just feels like a reprieve, um, and I appreciate it greatly. I needed it. Um, LA is a lot. (laughs) Because I'm traveling so often now, um, my friends don't miss a beat. They just know, like, once I start posting from another place, they just automatically switch over to WhatsApp and start hitting me there. Or they go to DMs on either Facebook or Instagram, because they know I still have (laughs) Wi-Fi. My boy, I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he hit me up and was like, D, I need some advice. I need some help. So he is very nice gentleman, very attractive gentleman, him and his daddy, as a matter of fact. And he's a single father. So his son is about to go to college. And many of our conversations over the years are about his, to in my opinion, hyper level of involvement in the kid's life. And I'm just like, you know, this is beautiful fathering. And I get that you're functioning as mom and dad to your son. But I was like, you need some life for you. Like when his son turned 13 or 14, he was really um, hurt that his son didn't want to hang out with him all the time. And his son was gaining independence and having his own life and wanted to do things with his friends and not with his dad. I was like, you need a woman, some companionship. And he was like, no. So now his son is is getting ready to go to college and he's really freaking out about it. At one point he was talking about, well, whatever college he goes to, you know, he can, you know, be on campus and, and do his thing, and I want him to have, you know, the full college experience the way but I'm probably gonna move to whatever city that he goes to college in. And I was like, You sound nuts. You need a woman. So he started dating and he's a little rusty. And again, he's an attractive dude, he's a good guy. And so he called me and was like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling out here. And I was like, okay, asking for help is fine. Like what's, what's good. How can I help? And so he was like, um, I keep meeting like these, you know, these like bad chicks. And I was like, okay, okay I'm not understanding. What's the problem. And he was like, nah, like they, they got, they they come with their own, they got their own money. Like he met this woman that he really likes. He told me that the woman was making between 300 and three hundred and four hundred a year, and I said, "Okay, what's what's the problem?" He was like, "My seventy-five, eighty ain't shit to her," and I was like, "Well, you know, it's, it's not, seventy-five, eighty is not not shit, but in comparison to three hundred, like, no, it's it's not moving the needle the same way, okay?" And I said, "What's what's the problem?" And he said, "I don't I don't know what to do with that. Do with what? This is how it came to a head. She traveled somewhere, and." He was home. So the woman wanted him to come meet her where she was. He didn't say like where she was. This is from the wording of it. I assume she had, she was on vacation. But she was like, just come be with me. And he was like, w- w- what the fuck is that? And I was like, what do you mean what the fuck is that? And he was like, what does that mean? And I was like, it, it means very literally she is there and she wants you to come be. And he was like, so I'm just going like, you know, like just show up. Yeah. And he was like, what is that? What is what? What is the problem? And he was like, "Okay, if I'm dating somebody, right, like I'm I'm supposed to, you know, pay for things and pick up the check, you know, provide. And she don't need that. And I was like, no, she told you what she needed. Come here. All you got to do is get a flight and go to where she is. Her round trip flight is taken care of. The hotel is paid for. All you got to do is show up, buy dinners. If you all hanging out by the pool. Pay for the cocktails and a bottle of champagne? You're about to go on a whole five-star vacation for like a tenth of the cost. You told me you make 70 to 80 You can afford dinners and a bottle of champagne. And he was like, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not comfortable. What do I bring to this situation? I had to like really like walk him through this. You're a single father. You know what it is to care for someone and make sure they're good. You have nurturing skills because you raised a child that's not a psychopath. You know what it is to pay attention to another human and make sure that their wants and needs are met, that they're good. Apply that to this woman. I'm trying to explain to him that your job is to put a plus on her life. She has a great life. She's making 300 to 400. What she doesn't have, companionship, dick, and protection. He was like, D, That's it? That's it? That's it? That's it? That's it? So I'm just going to buy a flight and just show up empty handed. You show up with your dick in your hand. But I mean, yes, essentially show up, put a plus on it. He just couldn't wrap his mind around it. And I was like, I swear for God, do not fuck this up. You could live a great life and not on some kept man shit. All she wants is someone just to add a little plus. Buy some dinner, my dude, some cocktails, have some conversation. He was like, I feel like, I feel like a woman. I was like, don't, don't. Don't. You're blocking your blessings. You're about to fuck around and block your blessings. This woman lives a great life. All she wants you to do is show up and be a part of it with her. Don't fuck this up. Book the flight. Send her the itinerary. She might send a car to pick you up from the airport. If nothing else, you call an Uber. But you good once you get there. A couple dinners. Cocktails by the pool. You good. Companionship. Dick. Protection. He said he was going to try. He said he liked this woman, so he said he was going to try. And I was like, my dude, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. You're about to have a great life if you cannot fuck this up.
0: <sighs> Today's episode is brought to you by Angie.
2: Speaking of great lives, we don't have good black news this week. News this week is is trash, at least the stuff I've seen. I want to talk about the, uh, what do I call him? i want about to call him the interloper. Not the terrorist. What's his name? The cult leader. The cult leader. The cult leader has gone viral again. And this time it's because he referred to women to over 35. What's the word he used? Let me, let me look this up because I don't want to misquote him. He says, if you're unmarried at 35, you're a leftover woman. I like to remind people, and I don't say this as as an insult. I just say this to state a fact. The cult leader is twice divorced, which means to me that the cult leader maybe should have taken his time to evaluate his situations better. At least the second one. The first one, I'll give some grace and maybe it's because I want it to be extended to me. You know, you don't really know what you're getting into. You don't know what marriage is until you get married. You don't really know the expectations of marriage until you are actually in it. People can tell you about it all day long. You can theorize what it is, but you don't get it until you do it. It's, about, it's like people telling you about parenthood. People can tell you all day long what it's like to give birth or what it's like to be a mother and to raise a child. You can read all the books in the world. You can take all the advice in the world. But until you're actually like, you know, giving birth, you don't really know what it is. And until you're actually raising a child, you really don't know what it is. There's certain things that you can, pre- you can prepare as best you can for, but you don't really know what it is until you're doing it. Okay. He might not have known the first time, fucked that up. And then the second time did it again. And I don't say that to, to take personal jabs at him. It's, it's just facts that that's what it is. But I also think that it's so incredibly irresponsible of someone who's been not through one divorce but two, with children involved in these situations, to go around putting these time, lim- time limits on people and raising women's hysteria. I mean, I know he doesn't like women, and I don't mean in terms of sexuality. It's just very clear that he doesn't find much value in women. That's just based on things he says. He finds very little value in women other than how they can support and serve men, produce children, perhaps. But like to, to say things like this which play on people's insecurities and really cause like hysteria. When he says things like this, like people like feel people get really upset um, and feel attacked and feel hurt and feel less than not just because of him. It's because of, you know, all the things that women of any age, I mean, from like birth to death. All the, the constant attacks on like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You need to do this. You need to change this. You need to be this, not that. And it's all contradictory. And there's no one way to actually be considered good and perfect and right and accepted completely. So there's that. But then you add to this by saying things like you're a leftover woman if you're not married by a certain age. And it's just such a dangerous rhetoric because I feel And not even just that I feel, because I feel it like, you know, just being a woman, but also just I see it constantly how women are encouraged from, I was going to say from the time they graduate college, but really from like almost birth to like being indoctrinated into being someone's wife. And it, it starts with everything from, you know, playing with the baby dolls and like playing mommy To, you know, at a certain age, you have to get in the kitchen and learn how to cook. Like, oh, do you have a boyfriend when you're in high school? And then you get to college and it's still like you got to lock somebody down while you're in college or or right after college. It's just like women are constantly encouraged to be finding a boy or a man as some sort of validation. Like saying things like if you're not married by the time you're 35, you're a leftover. It just increases the pressure and angst that are already placed on women to be partnered. And you can put all the pressure in the world that you want on someone, on women, to say that you must be partnered, you must find someone, you must find someone. But if you're not producing quality options for those women, quality on paper, quality in character, quality in in behavior, if you're not producing those options for women, And then you're telling them that you've got to, you know, do this thing by this certain age. It makes people make horrible decisions like you're with somebody, but maybe it's not the right somebody. But you're like, well, at least it's somebody. So I'm not considered a leftover. You might stay in a relationship that's not the right match in the best case scenario, or you might stay in a relationship that's unhealthy, or you might even stay in a relationship that's abusive, because you're like, well, I have to be with somebody because that's how my worth is defined. And maybe that sounds like extreme and you're like, Demetria, that sounds crazy. Like, who does that? Remember those Ask Demetria questions that used to come in every day? If you didn't read Ask Demetria back in the day, go read Six Brown Chicks, what is it, every Wednesday? People be writing in with the craziest of fucking scenarios. And most of it, 80% of it is because for whatever reason, they've decided to stick it out with the wrong person. And one of the reasons that people decide to do that shit, especially women, is because you keep telling women nonstop that their worth is defined by a man. And they'll go hitch themselves to anybody with a penis just to say they have somebody. Could be blind, cripple, and crazy, but they'll just stay with somebody just to have somebody so they don't feel, like, worthless. You know what's worse? Than being unmarried at 35. Being a quote-unquote leftover. Being married to the wrong motherfucker at 35. Or better, here we go, divorcing the wrong motherfucker at 37. You spend all of your 30s dating somebody, engaged to somebody, married to somebody, all for the shit to fall apart at 38. And then it's going to take you another two years to get divorced from them. Literally a decade spent on the wrong fucking person. That's worse than being a leftover. I re- I don't really want to dwell on this because I don't really like giving dating and relationship advice anymore. But I think everything really boils down to t- interested men, act interested, don't waste your pretty, and find the lid for your pot. Three- if you can follow those three things, everything else gets real simple. You can't put an age on when you find your person if you're looking for them. Everybody ain't looking for a person. But if you are, you can't put an age on it. And if you find your person at 25, okay. If you find your person at 29, okay. If you find them at 35, okay. But also, still okay if you find them at 40 or 45 or 60 or 70. And also, if you never find your person, the worst thing you can do, especially as a woman, is marry the wrong person. It's the worst thing you could do. There is no faster way to destroy your life and your hopes and dreams than tying your fate to the wrong person. Nothing. It's not just having a wedding and signing a marriage certificate and moving in together and having kids. It is literally tying the fate of your emotions, social interactions, psychology, living situation, lifestyle, mindset, options, Outlook, and I'm very purposely listing finances last because it's really the last on the list after everything else. You can lose money and make more money. You lose your sanity, it's hard to get it back. And you never get it fully back. Once you like really like lost it, dealing with the wrong person, you're never the 100% that you were before. Maybe equally as good and different, but never what you were before. If you're in your 30s, especially, and you heard that message, or you're over 35 and you heard that message... Please believe there's nothing worse that you could do to yourself than marry the wrong person. Get married when you're ready to be married and when you're with someone who is also ready to be married, who genuinely wants to be married to you. If you have a partner and they are not coming into your life the same way I was just talking about my boy. If you have built a life that is good for you and you are with someone that does not put a plus on that life where you cannot see a tangible benefit to being married to them, do not get married. Don't do it. Don't do it for a ring. Don't do it for validation. Don't do it for your family. Don't do it for any other reason than you see an an obvious and tangible benefit for your life. No theoretical shit. No potential for it to be better. Tangible. Otherwise... Do not get married. You will fuck up your life. And that's not like, oh, Demetria, you're divorced and, you know, you've got some bitterness and blah, blah, blah. No, the bitter part is gone. I'm real practical is what I am. If you can't put a plus on my life, why are you here? I built a great life for myself twice. First time I fucked it up by marrying the wrong person. And I fully take responsibility for it because I had a choice not to. I could have said no. I could have left the venue and not got married, which I thought about, but I chose to go through with it and I paid the consequence for it. Please do not listen to this crazy ass man who hates women. i said this about other relationship experts. You know, I respect people's hustle. I understand like, you know, it's a, it's a lucrative industry. Everyone has opinions. Do not take advice about how to live your life as a woman from anyone who hates women. And that includes other women. Do not take advice from people who don't even like you. They'll never steer you well.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
2: There's something else I wanted to say about marriage too. I was talking to my friend, a different friend, and she has not been married. She and her boyfriend have been together forever and a day. They have like a two-year-old kid and they live together. She is frustrated that They live like husband and wife, but he has not proposed. And she said the biggest arguments in our house are about him not proposing and her not having a ring. She was like, I don't even have to get married to him, like, but I really just want a ring. I want to be a fiancé. And I was like, why? And she was like, honestly? Because... Of the stigma of being a single mom. And this isn't a black woman, by the way. But she was like, when, when we go do things, like even at his doctor's office, the kid's doctor's office, she was like, you know, I have a different last name than my son. He has his father's last name. Okay. She was like writing on school forms or doing mommy and me or just anything. And she was like, I just very much feel like left out. And I feel like I'm, I have a, a lesser situation because I'm not a wife. I said, okay. And I left it at that. She didn't ask me what I think. She just asked me if she could share. And she said, what do you think? And I was like, are you, are you sure you're asking? And she was like, I want to know. I'm telling you for a reason. What do you think? And I was like, I don't understand why you would want to be married to someone who's made it very clear that they don't want to marry you. They're in their mid-30s. I was like, y'all been together forever by, by your account. Y'all got this two-year-old kid. Y'all live in the same house. Like, if he wanted to marry you, he would have proposed by now. Like, you arguing with him about trying to get him to marry you? The reason he doesn't propose is because he doesn't want to. It's just that simple. And you don't need a deep reason for why he doesn't want to. Like he doesn't want to is really just enough. I was like, but I challenge you to think about instead of why he doesn't want to propose or be married to you. I would encourage you to think about why you want so much to be married to someone who very clearly doesn't want to marry you. And when I ask you your reasons for wanting to get married, they're about your social perception, not about building a life with someone. What you're talking about marrying someone is what I just said is tying your fate to someone who, by your own acknowledgement, doesn't want to be with you. What are the chances of that turning out well? And she was like, I know, I know. I said, I know, you know, sometimes you just need somebody else to like, you know, say it back, say your shit back to you. Or sometimes you need to say your shit out loud to somebody else and just be like, I sound crazy. I don't think everybody fully understands what marriage is. And again, you don't really know what it is until you're in it. And for the brief time that I was in it, you know, like I got a, a crash course in it and was like, yeah, this ain't going to work. And final thing I want to say about that. There's an idea for a lot of people that marriage is some it's like capturing um, like like an Olympic gold or something. It's something to be accomplished. It's a checklist to make um, because your world or your life will be different when you're married to a degree. It is a lot of people, whether they acknowledge it or not, marriage is some sort of validation for them. Look, somebody loves me. Look, somebody claimed me. Look, my kid is not born out of wedlock. Look, I'm a proper woman. Look, you said I wouldn't do it. And I got it done. The biggest social change that happens with women is from other women. When I got married, Every piece of advice that I'd ever given as a relationship expert all of a sudden was validated. And I was like, I had to get married to tell people not to waste their pretty and know their worth. Really? Meanwhile, I'm in a bad marriage. Nobody cared. It was just the fact that I was married. Okay. Other women, single women, started to put me on a pedestal socially. And that shit was weird. And then other married women would start telling me the stuff that they don't tell single people. They would tell me like their married horror stories, which I was like, oh, fuck. You think single's bad? Imagine being married to crazy. Dating crazy is one thing. Married to crazy is a whole different story. And let me say this, too. There's a lot of happily married people who do not have crazy shit going on in their lives. That's like 25% of married people. Everybody else got crazy shit. You'd be like, girl, what? What? And part of the reason I didn't like immediately leave when crazy showed up, because I was like, well, this crazy ain't that crazy compared to some other crazy that I heard. Like, I guess maybe this is manageable crazy until it wasn't. And I was like, "Nah, all this shit crazy. Fuck all y'all. So other married people start telling you like the real, real about like the shit that they're dealing with. There's it's a very deliberate, purposeful. And how do I say this? There is it's almost like a blue wall, blue line. I guess that's what's referred to with cops. It's almost like a blue line with like married people where they very intentionally don't tell unmarried people the ins and outs of what goes on in married situations. And they do so under the guise of like you're single and you wouldn't understand. And to a degree you don't. Because, again, we just talked about how you don't really understand marriage until you're married the same way you don't understand motherhood or parenthood until you have a kid, which true. But there's also just some basic common sense shit that like he did what? And you're like, oh well, I'm married, and so mm, no, this shit's still crazy. Married, like I don't have to be married to understand. Like I know, I know shenanigans when I see shenanigans. And there's a reason I keep making the comparison to motherhood or birth. Even it's like if you told people everything that happens to you during pregnancy and birth, or everything that you go through as a mom, people wouldn't do the shit. All the crazy shit that comes along with being married, people wouldn't value marriage the same nor would they put married people on a pedestal it's it's almost like yeah you don't tell people because you don't think they'll understand but also because you don't want to lose the social hierarchy that you gain by being married but the the validation that you that many women think that they'll get by being married I just want you to know that like it doesn't happen the social bump the perception bump of like oh she must have it all together because people who get married must like know something that other people don't. There's that perception that stays. But the, the overall validation, other married women are impressed that you're married because they're already married. They treat you, I'm not in a sorority, this is just something I observe being around people in sororities. It doesn't matter really how old you are, it matters how long you've been in the sorority. And that's how they give seniority, if that makes sense you being newly married, people just keep telling you how much you don't know. Oh, you're a newlywed. You don't understand. Oh, you've only been married five years. Oh, you've only been married 10 years. I've been married 20. I've been married 30. It's a weird hierarchy that you have to, like, time served your way into. And if you think you're going to get validation from men, give that shit up. It'll never happen. Like, as a single woman, just a single woman on the internet, just having opinions, like, outside of, like, the dating and relationship stuff, but just single woman with opinions on... Just what people were talking about. Some of it might be dating and relationships. The response was always, like if I said something that people didn't like, they would be like, do you even have a man? No, I'm, not, I'm dating, but no, I don't have a boyfriend. And like, then, then your opinion is invalid. Then it became like, do you, do you even have a man? And I would be like, yeah, I have a boyfriend or I have a fiance. And they would be like, well, he must be fucking miserable being with you because that's how you think about things. Damn. And then when I got married, it became like, oh, well, do you, you, you think like this? Do you even have a man? Are you married? I am. And then it was, well, what does your husband think? My, my opinion was completely invalidated. It was like my brain didn't even matter. Everything just started to come down to, it was like, oh, well, like, okay, you think X, well, what does your husband think? And it was like some, it was supposed to be some automatic override of whatever was going on in my head. Like his thoughts, whatever they were, were more, more important. And, and he was considered the authority. On everything and anything. And he had a thought. It was automatically considered more valid than mine. So if you're looking for validation overall. Because you're like oh I got married. And so people will. No they won't. No they won't. The people who don't like women. And and again that includes other women. They won't like you anymore. Just because you changed your marital status. On your tax forms. Just because a man put a ring on your finger and, and said, I do, and signed a marriage license. They won't respect you anymore. They won't really treat you any better. They'll just put you on like a new hamster wheel. You go out of like the single girl hamster wheel and then you go on the married girl hamster wheel and it becomes. Well, when are you having children? And then, okay, you had one. Well, when are you having two? Okay, you got two girls. Are you going to have a boy? You have two boys. Are you going to have a girl? What schools are they going to? What house did you buy? What's in your house? What cars do you drive? Like, it, it never, ever ends. I just want you to know that you can't find your worth in being attached to somebody. And that's marrying them. That's being in a relationship with them. And you can't find validation in other people. That's something that has to come from within. And I know sometimes it's very hard to find worth, validation, self-esteem, all of those things that people tell you you're supposed to have when you have people like this fucking cult leader and his like band of merry minions saying crazy shit about women and their worth and and ranking them and telling them to get dog food or telling them they look like Ja Rule or just just bearing down, especially on black women, specifically on black women, but just like foot on neck nonstop. It could be very, very hard to have a sense of worth. In those situations, and I just feel as someone who's been through some of that and come out on the other side halfway decent, still recovering. But I feel like it's just somebody has to say, like, this is some bullshit. Go and create an awesome life, whatever you whatever you hoped and dreamed your life to be before bullshit got in the way and you got muddled down with you know jobs, responsibilities, bills, husbands, kids, whatever. But whatever that big life that you dreamed to have. Figure out a way to get your big dream life, at least a piece of it, a part of it, a portion of it, something. But don't be out here like spending your whole life chasing after some man to get married by a certain age or feeling like you've been discarded because you didn't do something by a certain time. No, don't live like that. Doing that sets you up for a miserable fucking life and you deserve better. (sighs) I just realized this might be my version of Rothaniel. That wasn't the intent. I had a whole list of topics we were supposed to talk about. Oprah and Gail. There's a biography coming out on Anna Wintour. This DeSantis Disney situation, which grabbed popcorn. That shit's amazing. I think this actually might be the podcast episode. I don't think I'm going to talk about entertainment. Sorry, I didn't mean to give you a somber episode. And I'm not really even somber right now. Sober, but not somber. I guess I had some shit I just need to get out of my chest. Well, since we're here, the L as in Demetria L. Lucas that I have written into my contracts that when they run my name, they have to include it. It Stands for Larry. L-A-R-I. My dad's name. L-A-R-R-Y. All right. We'll talk again on Tuesday. Have an awesome weekend. Okay. Bye.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com.
1: It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae body oil and body butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.